Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that's starting to worry about its investment in Sean Avery Orlando Solar Bear jerseys. Um, Mark, ready to do a little stargazing? Uh, it's Friday night. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The the only thing that, that really kills me about having to make that joke after him getting released after two games is George LaRock's impassioned plea to get signed by any team that plays against the Orlando Solar Bears. And just the fact that that story couldn't develop further is a tragedy. Well, did, did you read that little blurb about him having watched a couple ECHL games before he signed his contract and say, oh, any of these guys could be NHLers? Uh, you know, they have the speed. Uh, he was talking it all up. And, and, and the comment at the end was kind of, who could not have seen this coming? You know, <laughs> so the game has passed him by, and he was never really one to be in it in the first place. I mean... The, the man does have a, a an NHL rule clarification named after his behavior in the playoffs. So let's well, he probably could. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about former Dallas star great Sean Avery. <laughs> yeah, he, he was uh, he was uh, there. Apparently, I, I have forgotten that um, just like several other episodes that people claim happened in Dallas stars history. And, yeah, right. Um, some things just flat out never happened. Well, the good news, Mark, for you there about relative to Dallas Stars history, and we'll start with with doling out some propers, giving giving a few flowers to our own um, editor Taylor Baird is a custodian of Stars history. Fun, we'll, and we'll talk about the, the the Stars themselves as well. But we want to start by talking about the team's announcement that one, they're going to do a Dallas Stars Hall of Fame, so a, a Ring of Honor esque. Um, thing and our very own Taylor Baird is on the selection committee amongst um, some some other organizational powerhouses. So that that was a pretty cool announcement, right? That was uh, pretty incredible. And and I, I who who was she between on the announcement? Uh, uh, the, 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 she she's a Baird, so it was fairly early on, and some high powered stars people up there up there amongst it. It's good to see uh, Taylor reaching the stratosphere. Yeah, it's, and I'm trying to pull up the list because you're right. She's right between, um, she's right between Brad Alberts and Mark Bowman on the NHL list. So it's Tom Gillardi, Brad Alberts, Taylor Baird, uh, which I think is a fair assessment of their um, their value to the organization, right? And behind Taylor is is Matt Bowman, um, Matt DeFranks, Elliot Friedman, the Hack, Heike, Tom Holly. I'm joking about Friedman, obviously. Uh, Bruce Levine, <laughs> Daryl Ray, Carla Rosenberg. Rob Skishili, I'm butchering that, I know, and then Dan Stuchall. So it is a very, very good group, um, hockey minds, Dallas sports minds, and uh, very appropriate, in my opinion, given the time that she spent, the energy she's dedicated to DBD. It's very, very appropriate to have Taylor included in that. And I think it's it's kind of cool that that sort of the, the blogosphere, right, like everyone else on that list is – you know, officially attached to the team in some sort of way, right? They're they're writing for for DallasStars.com or the Dallas Morning News, and I think it's really cool and appropriate that DBD has a seat at that particular table. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, there there are a lot of people on DBD uh, who are readers and commenters who have a passion for the team, passion for the sport, and are and are real knowledgeable. And and you know, it, it's great for Taylor uh, as as our leader. And it's also great for the 
for for our community. Yeah, and I think community is a big, obviously, cosign everything about it being great for Taylor, but on the community aspect, to me, I think this is, you know, you always hear the gatekeeping whole, like, oh, it's, you know, not a traditional market thing. And it's a good reminder that the stars have been around since the 90s. They've won cups. Like, this is a fan base that understands its hockey and sure, there's a there's a Texas flair to it, and we like we like it the way that we like it. And uh, but it, but this is the fact that that there is a fan centric property that is considered to be important and powerful and knowledgeable enough to be included in this list, right? To me, that speaks really highly of like Dallas is a hockey town, you know, like that that team is is ingrained in the city's DNA, and and it's it's really um you know we as fans are are legit you know we we don't have to to argue our bona fides against any other fan base in the NHL. Right, and and the nice thing is that the teams embraced it as well. You know, Taylor Taylor is press, and and that passes on to to some other people who who backed her up. You know, I've I've done some writing for for Anaheim Calling going back a couple of years, and you couldn't even sniff a press pass with mm-hmm. uh, with, with that group, and and that's strictly because of the team, and and I think I think the the Stars organization recognizes that that Taylor puts together a highly professional product, and uh, and it's a mutually beneficial uh, arrangement. I agree. I agree. So congratulations, Taylor. Uh, We will have future content, I'm sure, around who might be included, which I think is a a pretty neat way. We've had conversations on this podcast and elsewhere before about there's a little bit of a a, there's obviously the Hockey Hall of Fame and then there's a there's a drop between and then there's a Jersey retirement. And then there's it it gets kind of difficult, right, to honor the history and, and the personalities and the players that have served the Dallas Stars over the years and have kind of brought the team to where it is. There are plenty of those players that don't necessarily rise to the level of a jersey retirement. And one example that always comes to the top of my mind is Brett Hull, who, you know, one, would you retire 22? Would you retire 16? Right. He was only here for a couple of years. But at the same time, the years he was here are the you know brightest in the franchise's history, you know, scored a Stanley Cup winning goal. So it's it's an interesting way to me. It gives you an avenue to celebrate a player like that, that in my opinion, probably doesn't have the longevity with the organization to merit a jersey retirement, right? But at the same time, you can't talk about the Dallas Stars as an organization and their history without mentioning his impact and his his service to the team right so there are other examples but he's just one of the ones that always pops to the top of my mind so this is to me an interesting mechanism that might give the team a way to celebrate some of those players yeah and let's face it it's uh it's fun to celebrate our past and it's fun to have a place where you can recognize the guys who have been so key to your enjoyment uh of the team over the years you know yeah. marty turco's right up there for me i mean it's, uh, some of my fondest memories uh of the stars uh in the last decade are, are marty turco uh, episodes. You know, even somebody like Kari Lettinen, who probably probably is is maybe a little little lower here, but I'd say that there's at least a little bit of a conversation yeah. there. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's great to be able to maintain the history of the team and the players that got you where you are. 
I agree. I love it. And and like I said, we'll talk more about it. But I do want to segue into talking about the actual stars. And of course, um, I missed last week's podcast. There was some stuff going on. And, you know, just checking checking the the record, it looks like Dallas is six, three, and one in in their last ten games. So things are going pretty great, right, Mark? They've they've clearly been playing awesome. They they've been, you know, as long as one regulation uh, goal a game will get you a win, they're right there. I mean, and, it's, and that's but they've been very successful at that. It is it is interesting, right? So as we speak, this is this is Friday night. So they they lost in overtime the shootout to Nashville last night, which puts them in a statistical tie with Edmonton for the eighth and final playoffs. But I think Edmonton is ahead by virtue. I, I think you have to get into goal differential as the tiebreaker. I'm not entirely sure they're equal on regulation wins. Losses, the whole bit, points percentage, so effectively tied. Um, you know, would be nicer if they were ahead. Uh, they've certainly, they've still got one game in hand against um, against the Predators, but they, they don't have. Anyways, they're they're officially back in the mix um, on the basis of a couple of positive results, if not necessarily positive um, play on the ice, and it's been. It's been a weird stretch, hasn't it? Well, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I think last night on the broadcast, they put up some numbers about uh, the stars and how they've been doing in one-goal games, and and the record's pretty impressive. Um, it, it makes things a bit uh, of a nail-biter every night because you know that you're going to not be having a, you know, a three or four zero. Uh, shut out where you can kind of relax and, and and get the woos going out in the stands uh, for the third period. Um, but, you know, a, a W is a W. Uh, at least they fixed their overtime issues. So, yeah. uh, so you know, they're, they're racking up points. You know, even, even last night, one point, they probably deserve better for once last night. They, they had multiple really good chances and, and Soros just kind of stood on his head for a while there. They got, yeah, they got goal, right? Yeah, but uh, you know, on, on the other hand, take a look at, you know, uh, on the positive side, Jake Ottinger. I mean, we've been looking for somebody to step up. Well, there you go. And not o- not only that, but on the Ottinger front, so he officially with the game in I think it was it was either Winnipeg or Nashville. Please correct me if if you know better. But with one of those two games, he has officially played enough in the NHL to no longer be waiver exempt. And I know yep. that that sounds like lame nerd paperwork stuff, but but what that means in practical terms is that Jake Ottinger is now a Dallas star, right? To send him back to the minor leagues, they would need to have him clear waivers, which, spoiler alert, Jake Ottinger would not clear waivers. So yep. in in playing him this season, right, I remember talking for all of the gnashing of teeth when he didn't break camp with the team, what was his, you know, what what that might look like for all of that. We have reached the point where Jake Ottinger is now more, you know, especially looking at, you know, Holtby's term and all a bunch of other things. Jake Ottinger is the starting goaltender for the Dallas Stars, and it's no longer an, an impermanent thing. He's he is their guy, um, and he's certainly playing like it over the last stretch, is he not? Yeah, I mean, you you look at it, and you know, the, the last two nights, Winnipeg and Nashville back to back. A tough travel day going into Nashville the same day. You know, if there was any possibility that you were going to play a second goaltender, it was that game in Nashville. And and I, I kind of thought they were going to put Holtby in net, but hey, you know, you ride the hot guy, and and Ottinger is certainly the hot guy, and he didn't disappoint. 
No, he hasn't. And, and it's it's interesting. There have been some whispers that maybe, and I don't know anything, but maybe hope he's dealing with, because getting into something we'll touch on a little bit later, trade deadline, right? The There's some whispers that Holtby may be nursing something and Dallas doesn't necessarily want to risk a, a knock turning into an outright injury when Holtby might turn into a trade chip now that Jake Ottinger is playing well. But on the other hand, Jake Ottinger is the starting goaltender for a hockey team, and when those when, when you need wins, you lean on your starter, especially when he was the NHL's third uh, third star, right? So he's performance wise, there's been no reason not to keep sending him out there, and he certainly, you know, he won an OT game against the Jets, and and he then lost a shootout, but played very well against the Predators, and he's he's having himself a go, he's having himself a month. Right, and I mean, at this point, if Holtby has a is a little dinged up, it really doesn't cost you anything to 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 put him on IR and and bring Hudobin up as a as a backup. Hudobin's already costing you most of the cap space, anyways. So so you know, I I, I don't think that there would be anything to a story about Holtby being a little dinged up because if he is, then there's no reason why they couldn't just adjust for that. Yeah. No. Yeah, so let's, let's just great. He is great. And another one that's that's going all of the sudden is is we have a we have a point per game Tyler Sagan sighting. And over the, yep. I think it's over the last 16 games or so he is I think after I don't think he got on the score sheet last night if memory serves. So after the last 16 games he's sitting at 16 points. Yep, and and he looks quicker. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, the know, goal his energy the, the level goal, is up. Um, Gurianov's goal against the Jets was just, I mean, it's an overused phrase, but in a lot of ways it was vintage Sagan seeing him get up the ice and whip that pass through the slot. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, and goaltenders have to take him seriously. We have three or so goals with him coming down the wing and, and, and just potting it. So at that point, goaltenders know that he's a threat coming down there. And so that's going to open up a crash to the net. Yeah, there was a really fascinating, and I, I definitely recommend, um, if you haven't seen it, and for those listening, if you haven't seen it, in, in the pregame uh, last night, they highlighted, you know, one of the stories early in the season was that Sagan was scoring, but, it, you know, bouncing off his shins and his shoulders, and there was, it was a lot of slop, right? It was, oh, he's getting to, he he's getting to the front of the net, and he's getting rewarded, and it, the feedback was, you know, that's a good thing, he needs to, but we were missing exactly what you're talking about, and, and Razor was showing some highlights of the last 16 games when it seems like he's kind of turning a corner, and you, you are seeing a lot more stuff from distance, right? He's, he's, beating goaltenders with his wrist shot. He's using his feet, the, the eventual game winner, right? Uh, he, he hit the goalie with it and it, uh, what's his, uh, Helen, couldn't stop it cleanly and it went, winds up behind him. So you are starting to see more snap, um, and, and more pace in Sagan's game, which I think is really, really good news for a stars team. That's been so heavily reliant on the Pavelski line all season. Right, exactly. And you take a look at that Winnipeg game, and it was really that second line of Ben Sagan and Gurianov, whether that was the line that drove that win. And when was the last time that we really had a clear-cut win that was driven by something other than the top line? Yeah, that's very true. And and it's also, you just can't count on the way the NHL works, right? You can't count on a single line to show up every single night. And so nobody's obviously it would be awesome if he was, but you know, it's, it's not even necessarily that's it's the Jamie Benn argument all over again. It's not even necessarily that the Dallas stars need Sagan to be that level of difference maker each and every game, right? They would love for him to be. And I would, we all would, but 
what they really need is for him to be that guy enough so that on nights when the Pavelski line is also going, Dallas is unstoppable. And on nights when the Pavelski line can't find their own groove, then you don't have to worry about it as much. You're not, you're not as dependent on what we talked about before. This team has to get away from its just manic dependency on the power play and start generating some five on five. And as of last night, you know, Tyler Sagan, I think is officially second on the team and even strength scoring. So Right, exactly. And, and especially you can't rely on the power play because the power play has recently sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so and, and so if, if this team was truly reliant on the power play, um, and it's not like they've been racking up a whole bunch of five-on-five goals, but uh, the power play's dried up, and the only way that they're sticking in this is by giving getting a little scoring from the second line and, and tightening things up on the defensive end. And I do want to talk about that a little bit, and I want to ask a tough question of you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle off. We're, we're gonna play, we're gonna play a little bit of fool's gold here, and I'm gonna talk about February and the Dallas Stars schedule. And I'm I'm going to mention the game, and just in your opinion, not necessarily paying attention to the the actual result. Right? We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about deserve, and, and you know the 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 gimmick here is right. Dallas has been winning games. They're six, what, six, three, and one, I said. Has Dallas been playing well is my question over the month of February. And, of course, we started the month with the uh, the Calgary Flames, that that kind of last-minute collapse. And so as we go through, just, you know, give me the the verbal, you know, good, bad in terms of the Stars' effort. Did they did, did they get what they earned? Uh, and so we'll start with that that Flames game. Do you think, in your opinion, does that 4-3 scoreline kind of accurately reflect the, the Dallas Stars that night? No, no, I, I thought they played well enough to win that game, mm-hmm. and and I think that there have been several that are that way. Yeah, and, and well, yeah. So then, then of course they they followed up that that kind of disappointing four to three loss with a four to three win over the Nashville Predators. I I thought they were pretty good value for that one, frankly. Yep. Yep. And then there was the four to three overtime win against the Jets on February eleventh. Yeah, I, I mean, I I'm. I'm running my jets games together that was was that another one where we had a couple late goals uh that was the jets came back and and tied it up and then and then the stars won it in overtime that's yeah that is correct and it's memory sir my memory of that game is is more of that it was one of those efforts that if you look at the box score dallas did pretty well for themselves but they they did the thing where they couldn't close the door right they they traded goals in the second and the third period and they just never they never got the separation that their play maybe deserved yep and and you know that's really there have been what four or five of those so far this year where um, maybe one or two of them have been straight out turtling, but some of it's just been flat out. You know, they're getting scored on six on five and yep. and getting that takeaway where they can get the empty net goal on the other end and put it away. That That's something that's, you know, I, I guess somewhat disturbing. Um, but each one of them has kind of had a unique quality to it where something weird happened. There was you know, the, you, you have, uh, the, you know, the the Miro stick grab trip no non call you know yeah, there, there there have been several places where where the the stars have gotten unlucky yeah which and, and not not any that kind of offset that with them getting lucky and I think this is where we've talked before the Dallas Stars are particularly susceptible to whims of fate because they don't score a ton and they need their special teams. 
And unfortunately, in the modern NHL, special teams play is very variable. You can't, you know, count on getting a power play. And when you get one, you can't count on always being effective. And then the second piece is when when you're winning one goal games, you're really reliant on you know, a single bad bounce can have a catastrophic effect. Right. And, and I mean, the stars here are particularly dependent on, on Miro Haskinen because he's the one guy who plays down the stretch who has the ability to move the puck and get the puck out of the zone. And otherwise you're talking about either Hockenpah or Lindell, neither, you know, both of whom can play the physical game, but you're still going to talk about zone time um, and the puck staying in the offensive zone, or you're going to talk about Ryan Suter, who at least from my watching just hasn't shown that he uh, he really has the skill or the size to to really close a game out. Yeah, he. Yeah, I would say that's fair. And, and, and you know, then the, what I really wanted to get to. Sorry to to kind of move along abruptly, but what I really want to get to now we get to the sweet spot in the middle of the month after that Winnipeg game. Of course, there's the back to back Avalanche games: four nothing loss, four one win followed by the one nothing win against the Blackhawks, the three to one loss against the Arizona Coyotes. And just like, okay, those four games, how many of those in a right and just universe with the Dallas Stars have walked away victorious? Well, I, I think it, it, if in the end, if you take a look at it from a very high level, we probably got exactly what we deserved. We just didn't get it against the teams that we thought we would get it against. Yeah. You know, uh, so, so, we're going to argue about this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, take take a look at take a look at what happened in the third period against Arizona. Yep. I mean, that was that was a team that was playing as hard as they could, and they just. I mean, how many times do you see uh, Jason Robertson miss an open net like that? I, I can't. Yeah. I, I I'm just thinking of the number of times within the last couple of weeks where where I've kind of gone into my goal celebration watching, and and then been shocked that the puck didn't go in the net. Yeah, and I don't disagree. That third period was dominant, but my counter argument would be, what about the first period? And and this is a, it's the classic stars thing, right? They they punted on the early parts of a game against an inferior opponent and then ran out of time. It, it, it's the it's the luck argument. They they played a fantastic third period. You're absolutely right. And more often than not, that third period is good enough to get them a win. Jason Robertson doesn't miss an empty net. All of, all of the things that you're talking about, but it's, it's the stars thing, right? Well, you don't, you don't have to be the, the Jason Robertson miss isn't as crippling if you don't punt a third or more of that game playing, you know, playing poorly against what should be a, you know, slam dunk. Frankly, right. But, I mean, it's but but goal scoring is is just flat out hard. I mean, take take a look at the Nashville game yep. just last night, and and the Stars came out on their toes in in a situation where by all rights they had no reason to have any any energy, and they played a great first period of hockey and came out of it even, and and so. You know, one could very easily look at the stars being up one or two there, quote unquote, getting what they deserve. Um, but it, yeah, Soros, Soros kept them out. You know, they. they well, but, uh, and I again, they, they, I'm, I'm not try. I I don't disagree fundamentally with anything you're saying. I, I would. I do think though, comparing 
it is much more understandable to have Soros keep the Nashville Predators in a game than it is to have the like the, the Arizona. The, like I said, and, Scott and Wedgwood thing, honestly, shouldn't with, be the one doing that to you. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to say Flurry as well as the Chicago game. I thought Flurry played phenomenally, and you know they almost got goalied there as well, which is part of why the the Arizona game rankles me so much, right? So you you play terribly against Colorado and lose four to nothing, right? Just get embarrassed. In my opinion, you arguably play worse and fluke your way, you know, kind of score your way into four, uh, an undeserved you know, there. The same way that we're talking about the Arizona game, I, I imagine the avalanche are talking about that four to one win. I, I did not think in, in many ways, I thought the stars were worse on that Tuesday than they were on Sunday, but they got the win. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, right, you've, you've effectively stolen two points out of a, out of a back-to-back against the, the fantastic avalanche. Then you, you, I, I don't think I would go so far as to say lackluster. They weren't, fantastic against Chicago, but again, Flurry played great. So, okay, you, you steal two points against the Avalanche, you survive a blip against the Blackhawks, and then you just sputter one, man. You, this, this is the class. This is the thing that has stars fans just pulling their hair out is this T and, and again, that there is no data. I'm not looking at a spreadsheet or anything. I'm, I'm going strictly by my, you know, my gut feel, but like, it, there is nothing more Dallas Stars than getting through the Avalanche Avalanche Chicago stretch with two wins, only to futz their way through part of an Arizona game and all of a sudden wind up getting goalied by a goalie because you know it's just like uh, that that one to me well, was I mean, particularly brutal. But that's the season. I mean, they've lost twice to Ottawa. They lost to Montreal. I mean, that's that's you know. That's kind of this team's uh, identity, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and 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 it's and it's why it's why we love this team in the playoffs because this team uh, team's identity identity is playing to their competition, and so the best thing we can do is to have better competition. Yeah, right. This is we we've probably been through two or three stretches this year where going into it we were saying. This is a make or break stretch for the stars. They're coming up against the two week period here where they're playing all playoff teams and some of them are on the road and they need to hope that they get points out of this. And at the end of that stretch, we kind of come out of it smelling pretty good. Yeah. And and so now they've the easy ones. Yeah. Well, exactly. And and yeah, they've done it for they've done it for years. I think some of it may be just reflective of of our captain and and you know at, at this point in his career he kind of knows when he can try to win a game without having to kill himself yeah and 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 that's how you save yourself up for playoff times and and then you know there's always the counter argument and you can always say well you got to make the playoffs or else it doesn't make any difference yep but that's that's kind of the fine line that this team walks yeah and it'd be great if they didn't but i think you're you're bang on and that's that's starsome you keep hearing about i i don't disagree right that this is a team that i wouldn't look forward to playing against in the playoffs but at the same time like it's not a not a given that they'll get there, so you may not have to worry about it. Um, I do want to segue a little bit, and as we head to the playoffs, of course, one of the things that's, you know, the 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 NHL is this particular season. It looks like things are are toward the top of the standings, solidifying, and the East Coast, the Eastern Conference is pretty much done. So we're inching up on the trade deadline. 
there are a number of teams. The, the number of teams on the bubble is smaller. Dallas being one of those. I I don't know that you know we've already gotten in my we've already gotten the answer on whether or not they'll sell it. I think for a lot of reasons they're not going to do that if they're still even within like NHL fake contingent. But the one thing I did wanted to stop and, and talk to is in a world in which Dallas does move or, or should move pieces, you know, what are the actual assets on this roster that youth, in your opinion, that, that would or should be considerations for dealing at the deadline? Well, I think, th- I mean, obviously you have one extra goaltender and, and that, uh, that's going to be just a matter of uh, if somebody wants to step up and make a deal that's worthwhile. Yeah. Um, beyond that, you have to be talking Alexander Radulov, um, which I hate. I, I I think he's underutilized with the team. But if you well, take a look at how they're how the team is using him, I think he can probably be more valuable elsewhere on an expiring deal. And so somebody's probably going to be picking up the phone and trying to make that deal. Well, and let's, let's pause here. Cause I actually want to talk about both of those players. So, you know, Braden Holtby, I agree with you, right? He seems to be, you know, he's, he's got a $2 million cap hit expires after this season. So when you get into like, you know, you only pay for the portion while he's on the team. So he, he effectively like there aren't, he is not, hopefully he's not going to cause any cap issues for any team that needs him. And it certainly seems like, you know, especially with, with Leonard going down and, and, you know, Edmonton's perpetual, there, there are a lot of teams. It feels like this year in the playoff bracket that would probably want some goaltender insurance, right? If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, how comfortable are you with, with Jerry and no safety net, right? So he stands out to me. If, if you're really sold on Ottinger, he seems to be the one that I think is the most likely. Uh, he's he's the catnip guy because you can you can acquire him with virtually no risk. There's a track record there. He's kind of, in my opinion, his play this season has highlight. You know, the narrative on Holtby coming in, he was either washed or Vancouver was terrible, right? And the way that he's played to this point of the season kind of has you thinking well he's been you know put him in front of a good defense he's he's been pretty good so maybe there is something to the fact that you know you get him out of a tire fire and he's not you know not a liability so he intrigues me the Radulov thing oof, I, I I just wish he had done more statistically because I, I agree about his usage and I agree that he could probably help somebody but you know even he's got what six point six point two we talked about operations, but 6.25, even for a small portion of the season, is an awful lot to eat for a guy with two goals and 14 assists in 45 games. Right. But I mean, the cap hits down. And if you're talking about an owner who's really going to be paying attention to cash, he's really not on that big a cash deal at this point. Um, and, and so the question at this point then becomes, what does he have to offer? And if you're talking about maybe a team where they have a couple of younger guys with some skill who need a veteran presence who can distribute the puck, I think all of a sudden Radulov and his passing ability makes a whole lot of sense. And especially if you start taking a look at any team that has 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 a good uh, a good you know 
analytics department, they're going to take a look and and Radulov's top ten in uh, you know expected goals scored uh, versus actual goals scored. So it's not like he hasn't been doing the right thing. He's he's had some bad puck luck and he's been playing with some guys with some stone hands. Yeah, I think I, I love the way you're phrasing it. To me, Radulov is he's the lottery ticket, right? Because we've we've talked before, like you really. As as is being illustrated this season, you have to play Radulov with offensive players in offensive situations to get to his value. And at his age and at his cap hit and at his current production, you can't just necessarily assume that that you're going to get production if you do that. So the risk you, you know, the, the benefit of playing a guy of pulling in a guy like Alexander Radulov is if you do need a scoring boost and you put him with players that can finish, you might wind up with a motivated player that is, is, you know, aggressive, physical, and can put the puck in dangerous spots, right? So you, you might get the guy that you need. Flip side is you might get a guy that, that can't hang, that can't hang in your top six, um, won't play in your bottom six and takes penalties. Right. So like, that's a lot of risk for even a portion of a, you know, $6.25 million cap hit. Yeah. But that's, you know, some, sometimes you roll the dice and, yep. and some of this may just depend on injuries going down here in the next month. You know, there are going to be teams out there that are looking for guys uh, to, to fill a hole. Yeah. Um, but I, that, I do that they think we're anticipating. I think it's significant that he was the second name you mentioned because I think he is the sneaky, you know, and and I've I've seen in a couple of places Pavelski's name come up, and I have a hard time believing the star. Like if you're the stars, that is that is a white flag move. Not you can't even spend that as a retool. So I have, I have a hard time believing Jim Nill would do something as definitive as as flip Joe Pavelski. But Radulov, I think there are circumstances in which he could be a really interesting option for a team that's looking down the bracket and thinking, hey, at some point we're going to need to score with Colorado or with Tampa Bay or, you know, at some point we're going to need some offensive firepower. And because of a lot of stuff we've mentioned, you can probably get Radulov for, you know, the the – and he's got the modified no trade and he's got a no move. But, you know, looking at his current situation, you could probably sell Radulov on a change of scenery. And there's a better than, you know, there, there's at least some chance that that change of scenery would get you, you know, all you need is a couple of months of vintage Radulov and then the contracts off your books and, you know, everybody parts friends. Yep. Yep. I, I, and beyond that, I really don't see much happening. I, I think right now Thomas Harley is getting a pretty good look um, at, at playing time on that third pair. And I think if it continues to improve the way it has, that that that, that, that six is just set from here on out. Um, and beyond that, you know, what, what else are you going to move? There's, there's nobody really there. Um, who makes sense to trade unless, unless you think, you know, the team's not going to get rid of Radek Foxa. I mean, um, I think, yeah, they won't. You're right. They, as much right, as the fans I, might want them to. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, beyond that, you know, maybe, maybe a Glenn Denning or a raffle or something like that. But uh, those, those aren't going to be game changers one way or another. Yeah. So, and I, I think that we've reached a weird stage with John Klingberg where it's it's this weird 
combination of we talked about how the Dallas Stars are very dependent upon the power play. And one of the areas where even with some of his other struggles this season, one of the areas where Klingberg has remained elite is his ability to generate offense on the power play. So you have a guy now with an outsized, outsized positive influence on the Dallas Stars. Step one. So to get rid of him, Dallas is gutting one of their major, one of the few things that they do extremely well. And so there's some momentum against making that move. If you're even if you're just on the fringes of the playoffs, like you really can't replace him. And then flip side, Klingberg hasn't really played well enough to entice the type of deal. If in my opinion, you know, if, if you're the stars, the type of deal that would lead to you, you know, removing that asset, trading John Klingberg, the type of deal you need to get, you're not going to get because he hasn't played well enough to get that deal. Right, and, and if he was playing that well, that would just be more points, and so you wouldn't make that deal anyways. Yeah, and, and I honestly think, you know, you're you're almost in this zone where you're better off, even if even if he walks at the end of the season. I almost think it's more valuable to the Dallas Stars to take a run at the playoffs with John Klingberg on the blue line than to take the assets you would get for this year's version of John Klingberg and, you know, not have him in a lot. You know what I mean? That That's kind of where I'm, I'm thinking right now. Like, I just don't think he hasn't played well enough to get you enough to make the move. Well, and, and just take a look at, you know, it's kind of a tertiary deal, but look at, look at the, the waiver pickup of Studenich. I mean, this is not a big guy who pretty much relies on his speed um, if this team was was really looking at a future where they were going to be dealing with, you know, a defense only, um, or you know, th- this is a move that speaks toward the future, not the current team, and it tells me that the team is looking at you know, guys who can get out of the zone and be uh, push the offense, and. And so if that is the way the team is looking for the future, and here I'm back into prospects and, and, and the guys who are becoming coming from the CHL after this year, um, Klingberg fits that future. And, and, so, yeah. and so he fits the current team because they need somebody to run the power play and they're so dependent on it. And he fits the future because the team's going to need somebody to distribute the puck. Yeah. And, 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 and to tell you the truth, the money is – the the money is it's four million. This team can find four million dollars for John Klingberg if they decide what they want to do. Yeah, and, and that's that's you know we've we've talked about this. Rumors of Dallas of the Dallas Stars being in cap trouble are fantastically exaggerated. There is more than enough room to keep John Klingberg for a for a, you know it, it's going to come down to do they want him. Right. But and yeah. again, we've, we, we're not going to go through the Klingberg wars again. I just I do think I've come around to the fact that it, the Dallas Stars are better off having John Klingberg walk for nothing if it means they stay on the fringes or even get into the playoffs as a result. Right. Because they're not well, going to get you're not going to get a, what, what are you you're going not to get gonna, for him right now? You're not going to get closure with this team if you send Klingberg away at the trade deadline, mm, because then you're going to have this question about what if, and what if we had kept Klingberg around, we could have made that run in the playoffs. And so we didn't truly 
take our last shot with this group to win the Stanley Cup? Yeah. And that's really the question that this team has to answer. And if the answer is, yeah, we can make a deep run, well, you know, maybe we're just all wrong and 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 playing, you know, driving offense from defense is a viable strategy in today's NHL. Yep. But on the other hand, if if you if you don't give that chance, then how are you going to make a clean decision that says no, we need to change, we need to do a complete change of what we're doing as a team, and we have all these prospects coming up who have a skill set that's going to be much more offensively oriented, and so that's what we're going to do, and we're going to center the whole organization around that. Yeah, and, and I think as well the people that that might make the point of well, you can afford to lose Klingberg because you have Harley, like his last what five game he played nine twenty three in the second game against Colorado, eleven fifty eight against Chicago, fifteen forty six against Arizona, ten thirty two against Winnipeg, eleven twenty two against Nashville. So the idea that that this team is considering or or looking at Harley as a viable alternative, like call me when he's call me when he's at seventeen minutes or 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 more in terms of his his time on the ice because they're just they're using him as a a, a third pairing flourish right now more than they're using him as as kind of Klingberg insurance. Well, and, and I'll say it again. I mean, if you truly want to replace Klingberg from from the Texas Stars, you're bringing up Ben Gleason. You're not bringing up uh, Thomas Harley. Um, Harley is a puck moving defender. He's got great legs. He has speed. He knows how to carry the puck into the zone. He's not necessarily as creative with his puck handling and distribution. And so again, you're you're just saying, well, he's a he's he's an offensive D man. Well, let's break that down into something that's a little more detailed and talk about what type of offense he brings. And the offense that Harley brings is different than the offense that Klingberg brings. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it, it's kind of the complaint that I had when you remember when Jason Spezza left and and there were questions raised about what do you do about the power play because Spezza was the only guy who could do zone entries on the power play. And and the general answer was, well, that'll take care of itself. And it really didn't. And that's you know, that was a particular skill set that the team was missing. And even if you wanted Spezza only as a fourth as a fourth line forward and o- primarily as a power play guy, he was worth the contract and nobody could see that. Yeah, that's true. So uh, I, again, it's uh, we'll see. I, I at this point, I think unless something catastrophic happens, the the team isn't going to move anybody who's who's all that important. I think maybe maybe Radulov. You know, if, if I'm Jim Nil, I'm out there. I'm out there, kind of offering both goaltenders, and I'm making a sweetheart deal with Hudobin. Yep. And I and I'm and I'm trying to get as much as I can from you for Holtby. And, and then if you take one or the other, I'm happy. Yeah. And I think the positive there is you're probably offering them to a team that's in the hunt as well. So you're, you're not, this isn't a situation where you're going to Anton Hudobin and asking him to go to Arizona or Seattle, right? You're, you're talking, you know, just looking, looking through the teams, right? There's, there's been some, you know, Nashville, uh, not Nashville, sorry. Um, Vegas with Leonard's situation being up in the air, they could use some, they could use some backup Is Carolina really sold on their backup. Um, Toronto, they've, they've had up and down Pittsburgh, Washington. Um, you know, there, there are some teams that are in the bracket 
right, that would be the ones I think if you're the Dallas Stars, you target for flipping goaltending, right? Nobody that's necessary that 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 insurance class where they they've got a guy, but you know maybe it's not the guy or there there's some concern. I think that's where you're targeting, and it's a much easier sell to go to a, a veteran like Holtby and say, Hey, we've, we've got something in place. Um, you know, we've got something in place to send you to Pittsburgh because they yep. need, and I, I get, I get the narratives behind the, the names, but you know, it's, it's, that's an easier deal to say, Hey, you know, we, we, Pittsburgh wants some Jerry insurance. There's a good deal. Ottinger's our guy, you know, pack your bags for a couple of months. Right. And I don't think that's a, you know, you can, you can do that while still staying, you know, the stars, in their history, especially in Nils' tenure, have treated their veterans well, and I think you can you can make those moves while still being true to that that kind of you know without strong arming anybody. Right, exactly, and, and and so I mean I hate to say it, but I think at the end of the day here we're going to go into the trade deadline and we're going to say we like where we're at and we're going to roll with it. Yeah. And we'll see. We'll see. But I, I do think you're right. As long as we're looking, you know, you can talk about loser points and, and point percentage and trajectory and, you know, and the teams that they have to jump and all of these things. Right. But at the end of the day, as long as we can look at a view of the the Western Conference and and see Dallas, you know, in the top nine or 10 teams, I have a lot of trouble believing that they're going to they're going to make any kind of moves while that situation's going on. Yeah, and I tell you what, even if we're going for you know um, wild card position number two, Colorado can't be liking us in that slot. <laughs> we'll see. That's 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 a discussion for another day, I believe, especially on a Friday. So Dallas is yeah. off. Um, their next game is this coming Sunday, where under normal circumstances, I'd say they've got a, a get healthy matchup with the Sabers before a critical capital C stretch starts against um, Los Angeles who are in one of those spots on Wednesday, followed by the jets again, the wild, those pesky predators. Right. So, you know, you'd hope that Dallas doesn't pull another Arizona and gets a couple bankable points against Buffalo before a stretch of, of four games that really does have a meaningful impact on their playoff standing. Yep. Yep, should be uh, should be fun. I think a early morning start on Sunday. So yeah, uh, uh, one p.m. one p.m. Yep. or uh, so early morning for you. Um, lunchtime, grab a grab a sandwich, um, prick, pop your feet up, and and let's rock and roll. That's right. Two points. Two points is good. It's always good. It's better than no points. Thank you, Mark, exactly. um, for your insights. As always, KT, you are a magician keeping this uh, keeping this thing rolling, coming together. Please do not um, hesitate to ask questions on the socials. Listeners, like us, download us, do all of the things to keep your best and favorite star-centric podcast rolling right along. We will get our, our spot in the Hall of Fame someday, won't we, Mark? Well, we will. We're, we're going to have to trail uh, trail Taylor on the way. That's right. I, coattails, I will gladly ride along. So thank you Absolutely. again. Thanks for listening. And we will do this again soon.